This week on Kettle of Fish, comedian and performer Lucia Brizzi stops by to talk about making a mess of the patriarchy. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, models, and even astronauts about life, love, and the creative process. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Cat Storis, and I'm broadcasting to you as always from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my wombat hunting, wigwam building, never wombie producer, the bright colored peg to my cynical. <laughs> old light bright d the producer i love that and actually you know i did find i have a miniature light bright on my desk at work that i found from the dollar store and it just it just made me the happiest person i don't know what it is i have collected more toys in the last six months at my job than i think i probably ever had as a child I have a mini light bright. I have those nifty water beads and stress it's balls. It's a light bright, one of those and... keychain light brights. Mm-mm. No, no, no. It's um, it's probably about the size of an apple, and it just sits on my desk and it's got miniature pegs and it's battery operated and it's amazing. And I'm like, oh. How many times do you spell out "help me" as you're beating your head off the desk? <laughs> and light well, bright pegs, and I orange don't and fluorescent. Need to anymore because I do have squishies. I'm kind of obsessed with squishies. So everybody walks past my desk and they're like, oh my gosh, you have all kinds of little stressy, squishy, touchable things. It's, yes, it's it's my touchable buffet. Go for it. So that's, that's one of the disadvantages of working from home. It's good because my commute's the bedroom to the living room every day. Right. But it's bad because I don't have a space where I can actually hang stuff up. Yes. And I mean, I have the living room, but I, I just stick my laptop on there and just yep. get to work. People to distract you, to be like, hey, we're going to go outside to the club. Come join us in the club, and you stand. God, outside. I've only been in the office once in almost four years. Oh my God, it'll be four years in February since I worked out of the office. Oh my God. That's insane. Yeah, I love my office so much, so much, so much. So okay, let's move along. Let us know uh, what's coming up and where everybody can find us on the interwebs. Well, first off, this coming Wednesday, we are going to have Haley herself from Haley and the Crushers. So, not to make you all intimidated and stuff, but yeah there you go uh second if somehow you live under a rock it's okay you just go to your address bar on your computer and you type in www.tincan.media and push enter that's it that's all super easy peasy or if you're a little a little with the times and you've downloaded castbox.fm on your mobile or cellular device then you can find kettle of fish and musical osmosis there as well as on itunes and if you're really cool you can actually go to Drupal with two o's and uh, you can look up either saucy or myself and we are now there as well and we will be on anchor and we're we are flooding the internet with our presence you will not be yeah i don't know if people want to be flooded with me i don't care they will be I think maybe people presence. have had enough of me. I'm everywhere. I'm like a bad commercial jingle at this point. You know, All right, let's... that's what you think until you hear, until until you remember in the middle of the night, the Oscar Mayer baloney song. And then it's like, oh, I remember that. 
I'm happy. That now. song used to haunt me as a kid, by the way. All right, let's get today's guest in here. Today's guest is a comedic paradigm shifting performer from her satirical self help guru, Talia Bravo, to her dynamic and empowering stage show. I am in total awe of all the creative messes she makes. Let's welcome, I am so terrible with names. I hope I'm saying this right. Lachia Braza. Do I have that right? Oh my God. You had this was the most beautiful introduction. It's Lucia Brizzi, but I'm he so grateful for everything you just said. You I've did only try. told him ten times. It's okay. He just it's he, a, he doesn't with names. It's, it's okay. You know, I even wrote it out phonetically on a card here, and I still messed it up. It's also that pressure in that moment. I know that I've done that a million times. But also, here's a really easy thing: chia seeds, Lucia, and then yeah. pizza, Brizzi. Yeah, and I always, I always have an accent when I say it. I can't avoid it. Lucia, Lucia, right? Lucia. Yep. Lucia. Like Susan yeah. Lucci and Chia Seeds had a baby. Lucia. Mm. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> there we go. All righty. Well, let me thank you for calling in, especially um, coming off the heels of a strange weekend, because you were strange. telling me, yeah, That's in the pre-show. Tell us what yeah. was so strange about Lucia's weekend. <sighs> Okay, so I thought it was a great idea for my 30, I'm not saying how old I am, I just took that back. For my something, 30-something birthday, mm-hmm. I thought it would be a really nice idea to have like a spiritual solo trip. So I was going to go to Topanga and, and I met this man at a cafe and he gave me mushrooms as that happens. So I was like, great, got drugs from a man in the cafe. Whoa, whoa, what cafe I like, do I have to go to for a stranger to give a mushroom? <laughs> that doesn't happen here Inside, in Inside, man. In Inside LA. Nice. On your laptop, writing your screenplay. There you go. You're meeting, you're deep in conversation. A very strong connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get the mushrooms, and I have an Airbnb booked in Topanga. And then um, a really subtle note from the universe was Topanga, as we all know, is on fire. Um and so instead of seeing that as maybe I shouldn't do this, I was like, no, because when you're trying to dissolve your ego, you should just stick to your plans. So I decided to do mushrooms by myself in my studio apartment yesterday Ooh. too. Mm-hmm. It was the worst idea I've ever had. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure that everyone I know who's spiritual is like, no, it's so beautiful that you connect to your darkness. You're going to see the light. And I do feel that's true on a certain level, but... I wouldn't recommend it to anyone I care about in any level, <laughs> any human. So the big takeaway was that I really don't like drugs and I really like people. And so I'm never going to isolate myself. Well, let me tell you, it's been years as a middle-aged daddy. It's been years since I've done any kind of psychedelics. And um, mushrooms were never really that bad. But when I used to do LSD as a kid, as a young man, half the time yeah. it would just be a bad trip and I would have to actually trick myself and go alright, if I'm still feeling this way at 6am then I'll flip out. I give myself permission to flip yeah. out if I'm still yeah. like seeing just everything looking evil at me at 6am and I'd kind of yeah. have to trick myself to get through it but it became so uncomfortable I was like, why oh am I burning God. time doing this? I'm, I, I used I to get know. something out of it in the beginning but I think I was just partying so much and it became so routine that I just yeah. stopped getting anything creative or spiritual out of it. And yeah, my brother says this because he's like certainly been around the block. He's quite an aficionado in his day, but he's like just his whole takeaway is like do drugs if it's fun, but if you want to grow and learn, just be a person, and like mm-hmm. that's where you're really growing and learning. And 
I think that's true. I mean, I also think, I think a lot of things are true. It's sort of like, I think that's an important thing that I'm learning is like that everything is kind of true. You can go down any belief path and it, and it kind of fits for the moment. But there's like, I like that idea that like life is our experiment and life is what we're really learning. Just like the vulnerability of like telling something you have a crush on them or like doing something that you're scared to do. That's, that's the real trip, man. Yes. It's all a process. (laughs) And I used to have buddies you know, the thing that I think the trap is, and I'm not going to go too far down the philosophical rabbit hole here, but the trap to me used to be I would do drugs to enhance an already awesome situation or event or experience. And the cats I knew who had trouble with it were the ones who were sitting around bored and was like, let's go get some drugs. Because mm-hmm. it's like, wow, there's so many other creative ways to occupy your time than just to yeah. stick this filler in here of drugs. Also... Yeah. I was never a guy who ever did it. I would take one hit of ecstasy. I would be where I want to be, walk up to my buddy Paco. He would be eyes in the back of his fucking head like rollerblades, shaking yeah. on seven hits of ecstasy. And like, uh, dude, uh, you, you having a good time? Because uh, that uh, doesn't look fun to me. Uh. Yeah. No. And I'm like, how is this fun? I don't understand, man. What like... I get pushing your limits, but then again, I don't really get it because that's not something I really engage in. I don't I don't need yeah. to be, wonder what it's like to be that fucked up. Me neither. I feel like partying for me is being on stage or sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. are my highs. But I also sleeping is like, a high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Sleeping is the best. But I think also, like, I think there is merit in the fact that, like, going to, going fully down and exploring belief systems that are wired inside all of us that that I wouldn't want to explore. So I do feel like I'm going to come away with this. Like, with I mean, I had a lot of of really dark experiences, but I do feel like I'm a, I'm a Pollyanna in a lot of ways, and I think it's good whenever I have any kind of moment that like that I can sit with for a while. That's like okay, well, there's also that programming there too. And now I'm now I'm able to see it. And, well, one of and the like, reasons, yeah, yeah, one of the reasons I love having these conversations too, not to cut you off, but you just clicked this in my brain. I hadn't thought about this in years. That I was going through a process where I was eating a lot of acid for a long time, and I became really sick. Probably just mm. like a really bad flu. It knocked me out for like three days, and I had slept about twenty hours during this time period at my buddy Jason's house, and he had a back um, porch that stretched across a, like half of the house. It started on one side and went halfway to the other side to the front door, and my bed was up against that with a window, and it was raining really hard. And I had woke up, and I didn't even know if it was morning or night. I mean, it was night because it was dark outside, but I didn't know if it was like, hey, it's going to be 6 a.m., or hey, it's just getting dark, because I was so out of it. But I had had a dream during that 20-hour trying to recoup that I had walked into the bedroom. I saw myself on the floor, no shirt on, looking totally anorexic and depleted. I looked like I was dying, and I looked at myself, and I looked up at myself and was like, if you don't stop doing drugs, you're going to fucking die. And that's oh, when I woke wow. up and looked out the window and saw the rain. I was like, and then when you're in that fog, I was like, am I on a train? I thought I was like in a train car for a second. I went out and saw my buddy Jason sitting there. And I was like, dude, what day is this? What time is it? He's like, eight. I'm like, a.m. or p.m.? He's like, p.m. 
I'm like, dude, I just had the most intense dream. And I think that's when I started pulling back. But you just reminded me of that. I hadn't thought about that in like five years. So bravo. That's a thing. Oh, that's cool. And I also think it's, it's just, you know, the whole thing, like the guru is inside you. I think there's a, a lot of voices inside us and everything is, I think, coming. Like there's a filter through our human experience. I, I, I feel I've never experienced a voice that didn't even feel like my own that was God speaking to me. But I do feel like there is, there is a lot of guidance if we're able to listen and discern the different voices. And it's like just listening for like, what is that voice that is speaking the truth right now? Because there's a ton of voices. <laughs> we can choose any of them. So it's like that moment, that dream is like a really powerful connection to the part of you that knows and sees more. Yes, yes, I believe that. And let me kind of pivot over here because I was pulling, I'm very obsessive and manic when it comes to putting these shows together. And I usually try to pull the last two years of any projects they were, you know, whoever the guest is was involved in. With you, that was yeah. nearly impossible. I mean, you've got your live show, WAM, Talia Bravo, we're going to talk about in a bit, lighten up leadership. Like I could sit here and list all this stuff all day. When you have so much going on, Oh, like, are you just in a perpetual state of just being fucking overwhelmed? Or do you need to stay this busy <laughs> to stay centered and sane? Like, I have to stay busy. Yeah. He always calls me a yeah. shark because I have to yeah. stay busy or I, I'm picking fucking flowers off yeah, the wallpaper. pretty much. Yeah. Are you that, that way? I think my creative process is like what I live for. Like, I live for creating and I can't really hold that back, which I do feel like you know, it's lucky, and also it's like I have to, I have to realize, like, okay, I need to pace myself. I need to slow down. Also, sometimes I feel like I'm at that place of like I'm creating so much that like it's it's too much for people to like. You know, you need to also gain a followership and have people come along for the ride. So if I'm constantly just like doing this and then I'm doing this, it's hard. So I think my, I think I do thrive in a state of like constant creation, and it's when I, it's my love, like, I don't have children, I don't have a husband, you know, I, I have friends that I collaborate with, and, like, honestly, I feel like there isn't much space for friendships that don't involve that, on some level, that sort of, like, juice in between us, you know, um, yeah. But does so that make those creative like, friendships my... transactional, though? Because it's like, okay, I'm working on this project now, and then out of sight, out of mind once the project's over. I mean, I don't think so. I, I'm a very, I have a big capacity to love. Like, that's something I definitely know about myself. So I have the capacity to hold a lot of people in my heart at the same time. Nice. Um, but I do feel that. I've definitely been on the receiving end of that a lot. Yeah, like where you're working on something and you have the flow together and then they're not your friend anymore because they just moved on to another creative partner. So, yes, of course I've experienced that, but I think, my radar or just like my sense is getting better at like feeling like open-hearted people and like that mutual back and forth more. <laughs> That's amazing. And also when I was looking at your stuff, once again, this wasn't a typical episode cause you have so much content. I was just like bombarded. Like oh, I'm never going to go through two years of her stuff. I mean, this is impossible. She has so much great content out there. But when you're doing this stuff, do you have to stay organized and say, okay, I'm going to do Talia videos on Monday. I'm going to work on WOM stuff on Tuesday. Or is it scattered um, shot, like creative? I totally, I would love to. I've attempted that so many times and it's never really stuck. I think, yeah, I'm not, I like structure is not something that I'm great at. But I, 
need it. (laughs) 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 I'd love any tips, any tips, but I, yeah, I think, I think I'm like, I used to feel that sense. Like I remember when I was younger, I did feel like I had all these cork boards and like lists and I was just like, Oh my gosh, I never feel like I'm doing the right thing. I always feel like I have other things I should be doing, but I think it's probably like doing meditation and, and practicing that helps me just like sit with, okay, things aren't finished and that thing will be picked up tomorrow. And I just remind myself that my response is my responsibility. So like I can look at my inbox and get worried, but I just choose not to. (laughs) I know that like, I also know that like when I'm in the state of flow, like I can do a lot of things really quickly. So when I'm not, I don't really pressure it. That makes sense. And, you know, with meditation, I came off a really bad situation when I was doing politics. And I mean, I was writing for a political site and doing activism stuff and doing the ignorance equation. And when I came off of that, I was in a very, very bad place. And I started meditating, but my brain goes a thousand miles an hour all the time. So I'm sitting here meditating. And when we were done, I looked at Dee and I said, I just wrote nine fucking jokes about meditating. I'm going to go post on Facebook now. Oh like, God. what is wrong with I'm not clearing my mind. I'm just cycling material oh, as I'm know. sitting oh, here with my God. eyes closed. So I don't think Long my day. DNA is built <laughs> for it. Yeah, I was like, yeah. it takes practice. No, I feel that. It's okay. You'll get there. It does maybe. take practice. It's really hard. And it, I also find that, like, I've done the pasta two times and I always go through that. Like, the first, like, at first it just sucks. The first, like, I've done it twice, but the first few days just suck. And then, then, then I get into a good place, and then all of a sudden I have a thousand ideas. And, like, some of them are legitimately good, and I go off and, like, have to utilize them. But I also, like, have to catch myself, like, midway through the process and be like, wow, you're at a meditation retreat just, like, trying to recall, like, sticky notes in your brain, all these ideas that you think are brilliant. Every single one that comes, you're like, I cannot forget this. And then when I got home, like, I realized, oh, there's, like, two or three things. And if they're really good, they're still there. And everything else, it was just my productivity addiction. (laughs) Well, that's a good way of phrasing it, too. Because, like I said, you do have all this content out there. Is it hard for you to separate stuff? Do you have problems with anything bleeding into anything else? Or one thing taking more of your time than you think it should? Yeah, I think I think I kind of like I love being a performer because we get to transform and you know that's like we get to be bigger than who we are. We get to let, like parts of ourselves come out fully formed as like full personas that like no one else would even know existed in us because we're stuck in these boxes of one body and one personality to most people. So like I love that and then at the same time it's like I do have to be like cognizant of like Talia Bravo right now is like, that's my alter ego, personal growth leader. A lot of people around town, like think that's my name or like a yoga teacher will like correct me as Talia. Like, and it's for me, I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's wonderful. Like how great that she's taking, but she's also a monster. So I have, <laughs> to, I have to be aware. And like, and of course my mother's like, this is why, this is why you haven't had a good guy is because you're just putting those parts of yourself out. But it's like, you know what? Like this is the love of my life is creating. So I can't be worried about that. But at the same time, just to answer that question about bleeding, I think it's like super important for all artists to be like really cognizant of like going there, but then turning it off and then being able to see the difference between us and what we create and not merge, you know? just for mental clear, mental health. 
Right. <laughs> well, let's kind of pivot here and talk about WOM. Here's the one thing I want to know, because I watched the trailer and I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it. The only thing I could find online was the trailer that you sent me. But when you're creating a project like WOM, how do all of these cultural movements play into this? From me too on one end of the spectrum to these fucking grotesque incel assholes on the other end. Like, does that influence your work or does that not have an influence? You try to keep all that static and noise separate. Not that the Me Too movement is noise, but just anything outside that purview. Well, WAM in particular, because it's not like a stand-up thing where we're, like, writing jokes. Like, Tali, I'm, like, hitting on things directly through satire. But WAM is this really, like, kind of subconscious poetic coming together of all of our four minds. And so in that way, we just trusted from the beginning. We are women living through this moment. Uh, We're all around the same age. We were, like, we are in this container of this reality. And so what comes through us is just in and of that going to reflect and speak to what's happening in the world. You know, so I think we just like let ourselves off the hook of being like, we have to have a message because it just wasn't, it just didn't resonate with us. Like we don't feel like we have any like answer, you know, it's more of like just stepping into like the subconscious sort of world of like, letting it be a discovery for us, like how are these things affecting us and like coming through us. And WAM is kind of like this world where we're almost playing women in the world. Like what do we want? What, what stories have we been told that we're ready to let go of? What shame do we carry that we're, you know, just like coming to, to express. Um, So yeah, I think that that's, that's been the angle or that's been the approach is like, letting it be feminist inherently because we are women who are speaking what's real for us right now and not pushing any one agenda or message. Well, you've got three different other creative entities with you. Um, Grace Lust, Claire Woolner, and I'm going to butcher this name, I'm sure. Mara, um, how do you say the last Mi- name? Mira Kumbani. Are these people you had worked with before and how did this collaboration start? Yeah, so we all met through the one mystery man, John Gilkey, at the center of What the Hippo. And um, I started working with him, I think, like four years ago. And uh, we've all trained with him. And he's he's from the clown world, from Cirque du Soleil. And then he created this world called, yeah, he calls it the idiot. So it's like, basically, you're interacting with the audience. You're kind of like, you know, your version of your idiotic self. So for me, that's like someone who's very arrogant and thinks she's really smart. Um, but so it like shows up for different, every person who comes to this work, like finds their own way in, which is why I love working with John so much. And he's just like, he's just like a finder for people's unique artists. Like he, I have so much gratitude for the process of working with him. And I think everyone who has kept working with him feels the same way. Cause it's like, I've never experienced a training that is so about just like keeping you going on what weird thing is like driving you. Um, so we all trained with him and he actually asked Claire Wollner to be in a show, the good time, great time game show that I was doing. Um, he asked her like, do you want to play like the bass in the show? Um, and it was like headed off by a guy and it was like, you know, pretty male heavy show, um, as a lot of things are in the comedy world. And Claire was like, I'm really not interested, but I want to do an all female, what the hippo show. And I want you to direct it. And then she wow. just like listed our names and he was like, cool. And then he was like, just you guys get together a proposal. So we're like, okay, let's go to an Airbnb. 
in Idlewild and just like lived together for a few days and we just worked like unlike I think if it had been a lot of guys together I don't know if they would have worked so hard no nah, the, there would have been a lot of drinking and, <laughs> exactly. I didn't want to say that but we, yeah it was just like a beautiful like like melding of minds and we all like really liked each other but we had it we didn't have that depth of connection yet like we certainly weren't best friends or anything um but we ended up like sharing bunk beds even though there were like queen size beds available and just like writing and meditating together and dancing and walking it was just it was just we came back with like this vision that was like so it sounds so like wow was born out of like a sl- creative slumber party that just yeah. like kind of overflowed onto the stage and became WAM from the way you're describing That's it. That's it. I love that. That's it. Yeah. Nice. It continues to feel that way. Like we're just so lucky that we love each other so much and that I've never worked with, I mean, as kind of all, I think like leaders really do shape cultures and John has like created this culture with that. And then with our other projects emerge where it's like, we are, we are trained and like, and geared to push each other into our most, funny selves which is like I've been in a lot of groups where they want you to you know improv or whatever where they don't want you to do that they want you to agree with each other so that everybody can create something together that's like pretty safe and we know it's going to work um and I've been like rejected by a lot of improv groups because they're like dude what are you doing you're weird and like you're you're like confusing me but in, (laughs) in this world it's like no, bitch, like, oh, sorry for cursing, but I guess, okay. but yeah, like, yeah, go, 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 go. You know, it's like, we're just all like, hey, Mira, you're funniest, and you're like speaking weird poetry that doesn't make sense. And like, Claire, you're funniest, and you're breaking down crying. And Grace, you're funniest when you're kind of scary raging. Like, let's just push each other into those places and like work with each other at like our extra level rather than try to be, you know, try to meld together so that everybody can sort of have a safe experience (laughs) and that sounds like a beautiful thing but when you're doing because you also do creative coaching and i kind of want to dig into that too but when you're doing creative coaching has it shifted over the last couple years where people are so preoccupied with just a fucking avalanche of stupid trump shit politics alt-right assholes social media is just a fucking viper pit now i walk around with a not in my gut 24 7 where i used to be a lot more carefree before yeah. all of this bullshit happened, are those obstacles you're seeing more of as opposed to three, four, five years ago in the creative world? Oh, that's a really good question. I feel like, for better or worse, there's a lot of um, being pretty... Oh, I'm using an understatement. Most people in L.A. are very self-centered. <laughs> right. And there's a... There's a Does you know, that help? Obviously, there's a... Well, I think there's an uh, there's there I think there's like a, a two sides to that or or many sides to it, but I think there's a level of being responsible for your garden and like okay, I'm going to work on my mental state, I'm going to work on being good to the people around me, and I'm going to work on doing my best work. That's very healthy. And then there's a level of it that becomes like I can't even look, and you know, then you're actually not being a part of what we need to be doing right now, which is really like saving our world and I think that's not you know we we are at a place where that's no longer uh, hyperbole we have to save our planet and Mm -hmm. so but I think what I honestly see more in LA is more people like veering towards the sides of of like just being pretty self-centered around surviving in this matrix and getting what they need um so unfortunately I think that is maybe what I see in this is like the fear of this whole system 
is maybe, yeah, but it's hard to, I mean, I'm definitely not a, you know, I don't want to be the reporter back on, on, on these big things, but I think just in the people I know, I think people I know maybe at the stage in their lives that they are right now are well, worried it about the world. a and lot of different stuff in us though, right? Because I know when yeah. all this stuff happened to me, I said, look, I can go out here and try to go toe to toe with these Trump pricks and we can all scream, no, you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. What is that doing? That's doing nothing. So I'm just going to yeah. go out here and I'm going to switch from politics, do more kettle of fish, do the summer of fun program that I did. And I and I and I invented what I call in my mind weaponized creativity. And I'm just going to mm. choke the internet with so much good stuff that it's mm. going to counterbalance all of the hate and fear and rhetoric that I'm seeing because it was the only way I knew to fight at that point. And I, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, but I still have that punk rock gene in me. I'm from the I'm mm. of the punk world, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. weaponized creativity, motherfucker. You're going to laugh. Your, you're going to laugh into submission. Is like with an iron fist is kind of how. Yeah, it's coming. dude. I, re I resonate with that. I feel like after the election, like just speaking for me personally, I was like, okay, there's like nothing holding me back now because we like, I feel that I feel like, like I like the idea of weaponized creativity. Cause I do feel like, you know, there's that Rumi quote, which is just like, I'm just totally going to go there right now. But he says that there's like a million, there's a million ways to kiss the, there's a million ways to like kneel and kiss the earth or something. And like, mm -hmm. do the, let the thing you love be, be your gift and I'm summarizing it horribly but that's what I feel it's like we if if I were to go out and like try to become you know like a senator I probably wouldn't be fantastic at it so it's uh -huh. like we all have our way of contributing and I think trusting that we're given our unique combination of passions and strengths and loves and if we're coming from a place of like I you know a, a good intention for the world and we use that thing that we're given that's all we can do and that's as that's all we could ever hope to do. Like, that's a beautiful thing to do. So I do feel like, yeah, like I remember having a psych teacher that I hated at school and he was like, well, if you all were such good people, every single person here would be out, like, you know, donating their time in some third world country. And I just remember not resonating with it and being like, no, dude, I think I'm supposed to like learn how to make theater. And that's why I'm in school. <laughs> like, yeah. Could not agree more. <laughs> Another thing in the punk world is sometimes you would get these um, vocalists, you know, who would get on the mic and talk during punk shows. And it was kind of, I remember one, one time in particular, one guy was like, and I won't even say his name, but he's from the punk community, and we went to go see him at a small church, and he's like, yeah, if you guys were so like good, if you guys were so punk rock, you'd be out painting houses in a ghetto instead of standing here at this show. And he was kind of berating the audience oh, of how right. great he was and what a moral con a cr crusader he was and how shitty we were for coming there and watching him. And I was like, I'm not down with this part of the scene at all. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's like, it's like what is the intention there like this man is here to make himself feel better and make you feel like shit and is that helping the world like yeah that's the big thing too i think in terms of bringing play and fun and and like comedy to the world like i i think what's so exciting about comedy and i felt this like the whole my whole experience with it even just being a child like trying to make people laugh is like mm -hmm you just immediately feel that human connection and, and it sounds cliche, but because it's, it's true, <laughs> you know, like, you're like, Oh, I, there's this like weird connection that I just had. And then 
I share it and now you just had that weird connection and now we're laughing. Yes. And like what a, and when you can feel that across like age and like geography and that's like so rewarding to me. But the dynamics change, you know, right? And this is one of the things I also, I'm just a rambling old man who says the same five things on these shows. But this is another thing that really pisses me off. You know, South Park used to reach across all those lines. And even if you were a, a George Bush supporter and they made a joke at George Bush's extent, you know, expense, you could chuckle. But now all mm. I see is these people on the right, all these Trump dudes, it's like, screw Saturday Night Live, ban it, ban mm. this show, ban this band. Axl Rose just came out and said this uh, about Trump, ban him. And Taylor Swift said, go vote, ban Taylor Swift. And like, they're so reactive to everything. It's like dude are you gonna end up living in like a fucking unabomber shack eating beans out yeah. of a can and listening to alex jones on your shortwave radio like what is like yeah. you hate everything if it takes one jab at the other side if it makes one joke about politics a lot of these say saturday night live has been making jokes about politics for a hundred years i see people on mad magazine on the comment thread screw you mad magazine and I'm like, that's what they've always done. They're satirists. They've always satirized mm. politics. What are you so angry about? And I think that has changed over the last couple of years where we didn't see that before. And it's making it harder for creative people to reach across those lines now. Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, it feels like it's just a lot of freaking fear. I mean, if you're denying that climate change exists, but then you're that angry and fearful you still sense there's something wrong with this picture. You know, like you're not yes. living in a, a world that's working well and a system that works well. <laughs> so it's like, I just feel like there's, we're all grappling with a really scary moment for like the system that we've relied upon is not working. Uh, yep. Like yep. we've been born into something and it's like, it's really scary. Well, let me shift here, because if, if I don't, I'm going to turn this into a political show, and I don't want to do that. I want to talk about creative coaching, because I heard you on my friend Angela's Welcome to the Podcast, Clambake, yeah. talking about this. And her. yeah, Angela's awesome, and I used to actually be a binge representative back when they were collecting for that movie. Um, awesome. I was a little bit fuzzy. Explain to me how creative co coaching works, and I know Natalia Brava character had kind of been born out of that world as well if you can give us some background yeah yeah so basically i was i was kind of born into the coaching leadership sphere um because my mom the year i was born started a women's leadership company called the next level um and she has for over 30 years been a coach to women and also done like designed and led trainings um and she's just like a really inventive pioneering woman. Like she's just very always been ahead of the curve and like brought in storytelling and improv training. And she's the reason I started doing improv because like she just took up improv in her 40s. Wow. So yeah. So I got to like start really young with like great teachers because of my mom. So then when I graduated college, I started to like work for her, but I was always like, Oh, this isn't my thing. It's just to, just for now until I become a famous actress. Um, right. But then I just started to realize, like, I mean, I just started to click that, like, this is just such a, a beautiful thing. And, like, the coaching work for me is, like, it's just such an awesome experience to be on, like, the giving side. So it's, like, I think as creators, there's, like, that thing where we can get so stuck in, in that, our ambition and trying to make our thing. And, you know, and unfortunately, because of the way the world is structured, you can feel a bit needy because of all that. 
um, which I don't think we should, but I think it can happen. Um, so for coaching, it was just like, oh, I can step into the opposite place where I'm just like this like positive reflection back to other people. And then I just had so many skills from this work that I was like, all of the creative people in my know in my world like need this. None of them, like you're talking about working from home, like none of them have any structure or anyone who's working to like be by their side as they go through this like really challenging thing of like figuring out how to live a creative life that sustains them and that's like exciting and, and you know vibrant and all the things that they want from it. So I started bringing that work into my community. Um, and then that's, yes, that's sort of the birth of creative coaching. It was born of doing um, like one-on-one coaching in sort of the corporate sphere and the academic sphere and with like those sort of professionals and then coming into my world and incorporating meditation and movement as well as the conversation. Um, so yeah, so that's, it's a, it's a really nice, Thing that I can offer, which I, I, it just feels nice to be, have something like that where I can be of service in a way. Well, and let me tell you what I thought of when I was watching the videos, because there is a woman who passed away, I believe it was in 2010, named Helen Wagner. And she, for 50 years, she was on As the World Turns as the same character. And she started on the radio, it was so long ago, with that soap opera. And I always thought, man, like, does she ever, like, how does she separate those two? Being that mm-hmm. character for 50 years, since you're in both of those worlds, does Talia bleed in? Once again, we're talking about bleeding in. Do you find it yeah. like where that personality <gasps> is coming out when you're in the coaching actual real world? Is that stuff bleeding together for you at this point? So it's, I will say a short answer is I'm definitely very capable of like splitting the two things. Like she's a, uh, she's an energy and a persona that I can step into and step out of. But what I love and what the challenge of being Talia is for me is that I am, I challenge myself with being both the best possible coach I could possibly be and a sociopath. So uh-huh. like, when I look at a Tony Robbins, I'm like, this man believes in himself to such a degree that it's, I think, not super healthy or, or safe. And like a lot of these people out there, like Teal Swan, who I just did a video making fun of because she says that she speaks for the universe, you know, and like she's a person out there who's working with people who live with her. And so to me, irresponsible and actually like borderline, like, I don't know what her intentions are, but it feels really fucked up to do that, to tell, you know, have people believe you on that level. So with Talia, I try to be in that space of, first of all, telling myself that I do know everything because sometimes it like is amazing and kind of surprising that like, oh, I know more than I would know as Lucia the coach if I like have the freedom to make that assumption. That's exciting. And the other thing that's exciting is like being fully present and like fully seeing what that person needs. So like the joke is always when I'm doing my job correctly on me and that person should feel like really seen and loved and like the the funny thing I discover time and time again is that like presence is a gift. Like being fully present with somebody is so something we all like need and want so deeply that even if like Talia is like spouting bullshit, like the ability to be in that presence with somebody is already like feeling good to them. So like when they get off stage with me, they're not like, I was just made to feel like a jerk. They're like, oh, like I actually, this is the goal is that they're like, I actually kind of got something out of that and she's an idiot, but I got something <laughs> out of it. That so is that's amazing. The challenge. 
that's that sounds challenge. like a good challenge to have. Yes. If you have fun. to have a challenge, a creative challenge, that's a great challenge to have is to be able to step in and out of that role. Um, we've got to finish up here. Can we get Talia in here to answer a few questions? Because I do have some, I do need some spiritual guidance from her, to be honest. Absolutely. I will, um, I'll call her. Hold on one second. God, get out of bed. Okay. Hi. Talia, thank you so much for um, taking a few minutes out to share your, Mm -hmm. this is how I've heard it described, tyrannical godlike sense of entitlement and to bring it to our humble little podcast. Um, I got to tell you, inviting you on our podcast today is quite possibly the most spiritually transforming decision I've ever made in my sad little Mm middle-aged life. So thank you for oh, that. Oh, I love that. Well, you know, it's that's the thing. It's just the idea of me already starts to percolate, and you're already able to see, like, the discrepancy between whom you are and whom I am, just even thinking about having me on. So it's beautiful that you're appreciating that and that you are seeing how sad and middle-aged you are also. Yeah, well, I try my best. And, you know, I went on your YouTube, and I watched your videos, and the whole time I'm watching them, I just kept thinking to myself, why are you not charging for this almost divine wisdom? Why are you giving these videos away for free? Wow, that's the, the best question I've heard in a long time. So I do have a Venmo. It's got Lucia Brizzi. And I certainly am a fan of monetary gain. If you were to ask me things I like, money would be up, you know, on that list. Um, I think the thing is, there's a lot to go into the challenge of becoming this personal growth leader of the next generation, which I actually already am because time is an illusion. And part of it is that in my hot span, which is current, I'm never going to be respected. When you think of a guru type character, you think of a man with too much hair. And then you look at me and you're like, that doesn't fit the bill. Such a good um, point. And then, thank you. And then the other thing, another really good point I have is that, once I do age, I will be invisible, you know? So I'm in a conundrum and I, I recognize like all great artists, I probably will not be recognized in my hot span and my lifespan. Um, but I certainly could use some food. So, you know, whatever you've got, you know, please alert the masses that there is a, a dwindling figure, you know, like almost fainting at this point. Um, who's really the only hope we have. So I would love some money. Well, I have to tell you, because um, you inspired me so much, I actually stayed up all night and I crunched these numbers for you. I cross-referenced a Venn diagram of desperate lost assholes with an algorithm of gullible, lonely suckers. And the data actually spit out, let me pull these numbers here, you could be making a minimum of $263.98 per episode if, if you would just take Talia like it is and monetize it. Wow, you, you just lost me when you said numbers because I don't I don't really compete with numbers, but I love that and I love that I love that you have targeted my market so specifically and accurately. Because as you know from being a devotee, is that I call my babies my Brava babies because in order to to get anything, it literally to get anything out of this vibrational convoluted um, resonance that I'm delivering right now, you have to surrender to your Brava baby. You have to. And we all have a Brava baby inside us. You know, if everyone listening right now can just touch your heart and feel how soft and gentle, and if a knife were to be poked in there, how it would, it would kill you. That's the baby that I need to, to speak to inside you for you to hear anything. So 
we're all broken. We're all fucking broken. And, and only once you become that scrambled egg on my plate, can I really, truly devour you and, and suck your soul in a way. Well, that's I want to thank you for that. Cause that's you gave me so, focus at so three in the morning. Like, yes. D. Yeah. Are you learning a lot? D? I am. I mean, and it totally makes sense. And it kind of makes me a little bit sad because, you know, millennials are like the largest population group right now. And they're like totally the market for, you know, self-help and personal accomplishment. So it's just so sad that these other people, you know, who some of them are even in jail now, have like tried to kind of corner this market instead of just kind of moving out of the way to allow Talia Brava to exist in the plane of everything that is awesome. It's fear. It's fear of allowing your Talia tentacles into them. I know. I believe you. I believe you. As I listen to this, I just feel so validated. And I can't tell you how much that means to me. I'm going to record this conversation and just play it back a few times awesome yeah Thank validating you, you <laughs> validates me see ah wow that was a never ending cyclical yeah yeah good term sure. hey let me ask you a couple more questions that we got to get out of here i have been playing the new red dead redemption it is the hottest game out right now yet okay when I can go rob a bank, and I have my 13-year-old daughter sitting here with me, um, Vivian. If I go rob a bank, she doesn't care. I can shoot all the people in the bank. However, she gets very upset when I shoot horses in the game. Is it morally or spiritually damaging for me to kill horses in Red Dead Redemption 2? In front of your daughter? Just in general, for anyone to do it, to kill a, a like pixelated character. Yes, is it damaging? Everything we do is real on a spiritual level. So whether you are drawing pornography, I'm saying it, I'm calling you out, teenagers. If you're drawing it in your notebook or you're watching it or you're having orgies, all that lies on a spiritual level on the same playing field. And so that's why I feel this can be a very empowering thing to be like, hey, like I can do whatever I want. I did that. But I just think you need to do need to look at Am I on the psychic and spiritual level? I just killed a horse in front of my daughter. So how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's a video game to me, but maybe I'm not too in touch. But the children always know, and she hates it if I shoot a horse. So I no longer shoot horses in front of her. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think it's great time because um, you know that they say about serial killers, they start off by killing animals on video games so the fact that your daughter is, is perturbed is probably a good sign you don't want to live there with that go. kind of personality you don't want to raise that personality you know what i'm saying so i have to know, rise above this don't i yeah maybe i totally should switch to sense. dig dug or something or donkey kong just watch you know i mean a great family activity and i can't stress this enough is watching talia brava Constantly. Of course. I don't know what the media is even this circus. It's a it's a media mm-hmm. circus. I'm the first one to use that um, metaphor. Right. And um, and let's just stick with the act that is like, whoa, that's amazing. You never know what's gonna happen. Like that's the Talia Brava act. So like, cut the freaking you know elephants because that's just it's kind of sad at this point. For sure. You know, I think everybody should just have like. Do you have a channel yet where we can just like have it streaming 24 hours a day? Because then maybe we can like 
try to come up to some semblance of maybe yes. a percentage of where we need to be. Like that's Talia that's needs just, to yeah, be on Roku. Mm -hmm. Twenty four seven. Yeah, I'm. I'm on YouTube. I'm also on the. Um, you know, if you go to taliabrava.com, click on taliabrava, and you can also just like say. As if you want to, you can just say my name, like just say in mentally and in like verbally, just like repeat my name. There you um, go. That's a great prayer. It's the only prayer. Ah, it's yeah, like a spiritual Beetlejuice. All right, two more questions and we got to get out of here. Can Donald right. Trump be redeemed? Can anybody be redeemed? Can Donald Trump be redeemed? Donald Trump is the monster that we want him to be. He's playing a role for us that is monster, and he's so in character. It's outstanding. He's always in character as a monster. And so Agreed. I think until we get to the point where we face that monster in ourselves, because um, lo and behold, for me to be politics is not my thing, but I will say that at this point, this personal is political. And mm -hmm. I cannot hold back from saying that things are broken and that I'm the one who discovered this. I, I am the one who's saying this. Like, Donald Trump is, like, mean. And until we are able to say, like, I am mean too, I have a monster in me, I get that, I see that perspective, he has power. So he's really doing a service for us then. Yeah, he's he is doing a service by making you be like, okay, if I can see it, then I am that too. Wow. All right. Well, let me do this last one here, Talia, and then we'll get Lucia back on here. As a self-proclaimed spiritual cult leader, how do you self-correct when you're having doubts about your chosen path? That's really an insulting question. Yeah. Talia would never have doubts. Gosh. We all. So you I'm, have no I'm so doubts. Sorry. He, he doesn't get it. It's okay. I didn't He's say trying. I don't, you know, my friends, I didn't say I don't have doubts, but I find it insulting for you to publicly point that out about my character. <sighs> I am and so sorry. Well, what is my and you know what? Oh, this is the world. Of, this is the thing. You can always circle back home. You can always come home. It's like, you know, the beginning of Full House when they all arrive at home and then Full House starts and you know that, you know, for the next 30 minutes, you will be escaping your parents' impending divorce. That is the experience of coming home to Tali Bravo. So welcome nice. home. Welcome home again. I go. feel redeemed. You are. Well, we've ended this on such a positive note. Okay, Talia, thank so you for sharing your divine wisdom with mm -hmm. us. Let's get oh. Lachia back in here. Hello. Lachia, welcome what? back. We had a very um, eye-opening, what, 15 minutes with Talia. Yeah, it was cool. Wow. That's cool. Well, she's like, you know, she's like um, Fidel. You can just let her go. She'll just talk for days. Yeah. yeah she's totally like restructured my chakra just talking to her for 15 oh. minutes. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. All righty. We've got to get out of here. I want to thank you for having, um, for coming on the show today. Can you tell everybody where we can find you online? And um, how do we see WOM? Do we have to go see it live? Or are you going to eventually get it out there in some other platform? I think that'd be very cool to do. And talking about doing a film. So who knows? That would be wonderful. That could all happen. Um, but the next one is in Chicago, the weekend of December 15th. And the location is not 
exactly. Uh, it's a little bit TBD right now, but um, I can put that up on my website. So you can go to luciabrisi.com, um, click on WAM. The show dates are there, or WAMolution.com if you prefer. That's the WAM website. Uh, Talia is doing a Vegas show in January, a spectacle of personal growth. And so I'll be putting the dates up for that as soon as I get that in location. Um, and yeah, I'm also doing a creative coaching retreat in Joshua Tree if anyone out there is looking for a weekend to just dive into their process and um, experience that. That's November 30th to December 2nd in Joshua Tree. Nice. And all that stuff's on my website, luciabrisky.com. Here's where I dropped the ball as a studious host. I didn't know WAM was traveling. I thought it was just in one central location, maybe once or twice a month. When you're going to different areas, is the reception different? Do you have to kind of cater the show around the audience? Or is it pretty that much the same so across fun. the board? You know, what's really fun is like, we don't, you know, we don't cater. We just are like, welcome to the WAM area. We try to make people feel as welcome as possible. And then we get, we do our thing, you know. But what's so fun is, like, we did it in Portland, Maine this summer, and there was one man who was just, like, you know, he doesn't look like a, you know, definitely not an L.A. guy, like, definitely a different world from us, and he's older, and he was like, I didn't know what was going on, <laughs> but I loved it, and we're like, nice. that is everything, so that's our intention, is, like, just bring the Wamolution, and, like, if, you know, let ourselves be surprised by, like, who it resonates with, not be biased about what certain audiences need or want. So you don't way. really get hecklers then? No, it's not the show for it. I mean, I'm sure it might happen. We'll find out. We'll find out. All righty. I dare anybody. D, we want to get out of here. Do you want to finish up with anything? Awesome. Um, only that I still, I totally think Talia is in the right um, the right market because as I was looking this up, you know, personal growth is almost a $10 billion a year market. And most mm. people are 40 to 50 year old women on the East and West coast. So I'm kind of thinking I need to like totally rethink. I was trying to get her life. to monetize. I think I pissed Thank her off you. at the end though, but it's, I don't, you know, I didn't even think that was possible with Talia. She loves and craves money so deeply it's really the thing that she craves most um money and power but you know they go hand in hand she's just really bad at it so and she's not good at taking feedback or advice so um if you have any ideas we're getting bravo baby pins so those are coming with nice. one oh, step towards yeah i'm getting one of those yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. all right dude i will send them over to you guys yeah please do and we will give them to all our little tin can friends <laughs> oh my gosh i love it love that well, thank you Alrighty. so much. What a pleasure. Yes. Absolutely. We'll have this show up later on today, and I want to thank you for calling in. We had an exceptional hour with you. Thanks for staying so long. Oh, I, I very much enjoyed it. Have a lovely day, guys. All righty. We'll be back next Sunday. Hopefully, we've got a couple guests um, that are scheduled. I'm not going to release their name because they're having issues on the West Coast with the wildfires, so I don't know if they're going to be able to record next Sunday. So we're just playing it by ear, kids.